What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to the Ahsoka Podcast, where the Lorehounds, your guides to a galaxy far, far away. I'm John. And I'm David, and this is our coverage of the Star Wars Disney Plus series, Ahsoka, Season 1, Part 5, Shadow Warrior. In this podcast, we'll be doing a some Something. kind of a breakdown. <laughs> We're going to have a conversation. We're having talk. A deep conversation yeah. about this episode, and answering listener feedback, including another great voicemail from Alicia about hyperspace travel. Yeah, that was a kind of a cool topic uh, when she decided to throw that one in. So, Well, I haven't listened to it yet, so I'm looking forward to the surprise. Yeah, it's good. Uh, speaking of feedback, if you've got it, you can email us to starwarsatthelorehounds.com or head over to our website, and there you can use our contact form or our voicemail feature. You can also chat with us on our Discord server. We've got a special channel all set up for Ahsoka, as well as a general Star Wars channel. We have a fun and welcoming community. We look forward to chatting with you there. Links for feedback and the Discord server are in the show notes. The Discord is ripping right now all day long. It has been. Uh, we're, we're having some original trilogy slander that I'm participating in. Oh, nice. <laughs> but I, you can tell when an episode really uh, hits people when it really impacts people because the Discord mm -hmm. just lights up. Anyway, yep. um, if it works for you and you like what we're doing, consider subscribing to our Patreon for as little as three bucks a month. You can get early and ad-free access to all of our podcasts, as well as a ton of other exclusive benefits. David, we just hit 100 subscribers. And oh. uh, what's really fun about That's that so is amazing. though that uh, we recorded a podcast last night with screeners for Foundation where we talked about having 99 subscribers. Right. So we're going to go a little reverse <laughs> reverse because this is coming out first. <laughs> first, exactly. So yeah, the, the it's all timey-wimey. We're getting real timey-wimey with our- Sure are, just like Anakin. That's right. If you don't mind ads, though, you can always find us on all the major podcasting platforms as well as Spotify and YouTube. We have a dedicated Star Wars feed set up. So if you're only interested in that galaxy, you can subscribe just to that. Or you can find our main feed where we publish everything. Search for the Lorehounds to subscribe to that main feed today. Also, if you have a chance, uh, maybe give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, those ratings, the weird SEO engine that, that that thing is, the more ratings and reviews we have, the better. It's easier for people to find us. It's easier to people to understand what kind of content we're producing. And it gives us warm fuzzies. So, you know, we like it if, to, to read the feedback. So drop us a note. Definitely. All right. One last thing. There's a general purpose spoiler warning around here. We are going to talk about everything in Star Wars that's ever been on a screen or in a book. Nothing is is barred from <laughs> spoiling here. So if you are very sensitive to not wanting Rebels spoiled, spoiled or something like that, go watch Rebels and then come back. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> all of it. All four that's seasons. Right. 
So, John, you know, after I watched this episode today and, you know, normally you know, we'll, we'll talk, you know, if there's a slightly different formatting thing, we'll figure something out. And this particular episode of television, I think, just defies a lot of convention. Yeah, you I messaged you- me and basically said, what the fuck are we going to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I, I rewatched the episode. I, I took running notes. I've got meta thoughts. Um, to be honest, John, there's really only one topic. All right. Just do to it. To talk about Just on do this. It. <laughs> that is the human heart in conflict with itself. And in this particular yeah, con- conversation, yeah, yeah. in this conflict, we have resolution. We have absolution. We have Ahsoka going from Ahsoka the Grey in a very Gandalfian sort of way to Ahsoka the White. Ahsoka, and, uh, there it is. Maybe not, you'll see why. So, but ser- <laughs> quite seriously, like when I was boiling it all down, that's really what the story was, was Ahsoka needing to you know, uh, discover something and learn a lesson. And yep, yep. I, I, to, to be honest, the Hera storyline with Jason and and the, even the whales to some but degree. Mom, she's out there. <laughs> oh, no, don't do it to me. Oh. But Mumsy, she's I got a bad out there. feeling. Uh, fly low. Um, Look, I, no hate on the Jason actor. It's just no, no, he, no, he's no. not being used very well. No, right. Yeah, no, no, not, nothing at all about the actor. I blame Filoni. That's right. Um, but all of that was just device. And uh, to be honest, it wasn't that great of device. And the really it is the heart of this story is um, this lesson that Ahsoka needs to learn and the fact that we had Hayden Christensen on screen, that uh, Snips and Skyboy got to, was it Skyboy or, or Fly? It was Skyboy. Sky Guy. It? Sky Guy, that's what it was. Sorry. Boy, don't at me. Don't at me. It was just a <laughs> momentary lapse. Um, Sky Guy um, and their fight and the lesson that was learned and all that Clone Wars stuff and all of that. That's the only thing to talk about, in my opinion. About that that certainly is the main thing. I think this was the best prequel movie there is. <laughs> this is the best, best of all of them. 44 minute prequel movie. Uh yeah. I did a little math and you know if you chop the tail and the and the head it's uh, the the main story is 44 minutes. And interestingly this was a theater release, right? You could look up on mm-hmm. the website and put in your zip code, find a local theater and go see this on a big screen. And when I was rewatching it today, the pacing of the action and the scale of what they were showing us with the ships flying over the water and the planet sequences and the whale sequences, all of it, I can really understand why they film, they, they had to have this in mind from the beginning that they were going yep. to do this. Yep. This was clearly a theater intended episode, the, especially yeah. the Clone Wars section, right? I mean, mm. that was, that felt like right out of a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, yeah, the fog of war and the laser bolts. I mean, imagine in an IMAXy type of situation. With oh, those, I'm you know, jealous because there was nothing near me. Right. And, yeah. Uh, I, I probably would have gone. Maybe not because we're doing too much right now. But um, if I had the time, I definitely mm. would have gone. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is this is my jam. I mean, I loved the Clone Wars. I'm on record loving the Clone Wars right. uh, animated series. And I've always thought that. Clone Wars Anakin felt very different from prequel Anakin 
but I also, based on seeing Hayden in, you know, the Obi-Wan series and other little cameos he's done, I think he's a better actor than we give him credit for. And I think that what this proved to me was George Lucas ruined this man's career, which is that (laughs) which is that he was a very capable actor and he probably Mm -hmm. was back then, too. It's just that George Lucas had this very strange vision for the Clone Wars where everyone was speaking in these awful lines and acting like they were in a soap opera. Right. And that's not what Anakin should have been. He should have acted like he did in the Clone Wars and like he did in this episode. He sold me on Clone Wars Anakin and prequel Anakin being the same person in a way that it was very difficult to reconcile before this. I I guess we're just in it here now, right? So we should just keep rolling Um, because I think this is what this podcast tonight is just going to be is this Mm -hmm. this rolling Mm -hmm. conversation. We can talk about particular things or not. Um, I feel I almost have to, like, I, I'm still processing my thoughts about the Anakin and uh, storyline and the Hayden Christensen aspects of it. But I do think that you putting your finger on something that's, uh, very real in that these weird quote unquote tone poems that, um, uh, Lucas said that he was making with the, the prequels were just weird and and they unfortunately <laughs> it 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 kind of it you know it impacted Hayden Christensen in this way that was a lot of trauma and a lot of mm-hmm. uh toxicity and a lot of just bad stuff and i was remarking on the discord today that isn't this an interesting place for us to be in star wars fandom at large we have something like and or floating around out there. And unfortunately it's been disrupted because of the strike. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like a big anticipated thing, but that's a really incredible story and something new and fresh in our world. And then we have not only um, Ahmad best, but Hayden Christensen, both making confident full. I don't know how to describe it. Just these wonderful comebacks on screen. Mm-hmm. We barely got Ahmed mm-hmm. best. I mean, we needed him more, but um, uh, to have both of them on screen, owning themselves as actors, owning the roles that they were given. Yeah. It's a really powerful moment in this weird world of big IP and the mouse and, you know, the machinery that is the Star Wars machine within the larger Disney machine. We're in a really interesting place. And I think that this episode itself encapsulates something and does something to heal the wounds that were were done and to rehabilitate somebody like Hayden Christian. Not rehabilitate. That's kind of the wrong way I want to say it. It's, but you know what I mean? It's, it's almost rehabilita- rehabilitating the community, right? Because the community yeah. was extremely toxic to him. Right. And yeah. horrible. And, uh, I think the anger would have been better directed. And first of all, there's no need to be that angry about a fictional universe. Maybe the movies were not as good as they should have been, but that's not a reason to send threats to anybody. But if you're going to blame somebody for the script, blame the guy who wrote it. Don't blame Mm -hmm. Hayden Christensen. Right. And, and the machinery that produced those, right? Cause I think there's a, in a, in the meta, in a, in a much bigger picture about the Star Wars brand and, and how it, it operates and what it does. The, yeah. The, there's, I feel that there are issues in the leadership there. And, and so mm-hmm. 
and you know, you look at all the projects and titles that we were given and then been canceled. Oh, this director was attached. Now they're unattached. You know, this script was, um, you know, getting somewhere and then now it's just poof, it's gone. And like, yeah, WTF. And that goes to the core of the leadership of the brand of what Star Wars is. And, you know, we know that uh, Lucas is a great conceptual and visual thinker and, mm-hmm. and storyteller, but he needed help with his scripts. He needed his his first wife, you know, without her, we would not have had the original 77 movie, right? It would have, it was a mm-hmm. hot mess mm-hmm. without her, her skill in editing and and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's 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 a really amazing place where where Filoni and Favreau, and I don't know who, what, where, when, and how this all works. I I would say that this series is more Filoni, for sure. Mandalorian, for sure. I think, actually goes more Favreau. Right, but you know that that these two guys have keys, maybe not to all the doors of the kingdom. But they are making moves and they're pushing forward in story and developing story in a way that that no one else has been allowed to and mm-hmm. no one else has had the opportunity for. And they're really – and they love it and they're really trying yeah. to do something – they're trying to move forward on all fronts. And I think that I've, I've heard some complaints about, you know, giving the keys to Filoni and mm-hmm. Favreau. As far as, you know, I, I I still haven't really made up my mind on Favreau, but mm-hmm. Filoni, I absolutely think he is the big ideas guy. Okay. I don't think he executes everything perfectly. I right, think he needs people in the room, just like George Lucas did. I think he Always. needs people in the room to fix the scripts, to make sure everything is cohesive, to make sure that things are entertaining and not just pet projects. Right. But, <laughs> big nostalgia in, sure, in member sure. berry and fan service Yeah. But you need that visionary, and I think Filoni is a great candidate. If it's going to be somebody, I think he's one of the best candidates, if not the best. And he's put in time, right? Mm-hmm. He started With in the Clone Wars. Clone Wars and, and Rebels and... Bad Batch, deep, you know? It's, bad Batch. He's done a ton of this. Deep How many hours of Star Wars animation do you have to create <laughs> before people are like, yeah, this guy can make a Star War? Right, right. Uh, and and now he's jumping over to live action and and boy talk about the transition those Clone War uh, and and uh, uh, that fight on you know the siege of Mandalore and and I forget whatever battle it was that they were I don't in. think they named it but it was yeah. an early battle in the Clone Wars they were saying yeah um, they felt mystical and magical and sort of timey wimey out of place but at the same time. I got all the Clone War vibes, you know, and I'm not Mm -hmm. deep in the Clone Wars. You know, I haven't seen it all, Um, but it felt right. It felt tonally, visually, everything just seemed, seemed all the way to Christensen's um, uh, costuming, the arm, the greaves and things. And it just Mm -hmm. was like, and there was somebody, there was a, there's I know it's going around a lot on the, on the internets and stuff, but these uh, comp, uh, you know, comparison, oh, here's an animated where snips and, and, uh, and Anakin are standing side by side next to each other, looking at each other. And then boom, there's the shot recreated in live action. Yeah. I mean, especially when we went back to that earlier Clone Wars battle, mm-hmm. I think that that I think something that I've seen around a lot online, which I completely agree with, is that this in a way that animation struggles to do this nailed the sense that Ahsoka was a child soldier 
Oh, God, and that that right? was something that was formative in her identity is the way is the reason why she's the way she is. Right. Mm-hmm. This detached person, this person who struggles making bonds. You know, she had an, an intense amount of trauma. You know, we recapped in our prep series. Her best friend betrays her. Right. And frames her for a crime. The Jedi Council, her only family you know betrays her and then and then suddenly just wants to get her back but they have lost her trust oh She's the got force the mer- man moves in mysterious ways sorry about that yeah. you know, like, oh yeah oh, come on sorry bro yeah <laughs> yeah mace windu can kiss my ass anyway right. <laughs> um but you know you have all these things and then order 66 happens and her her friends just literally turn their guns on her mm-hmm and mm-hmm. then she just has to disappear. Then later, she has to confront her master who turned evil. Mm-hmm. It's just so much trauma. Like, how does this person ever trust anybody? She was supposed to be 14 in this episode, in the in the Clone Wars. Right. That is insane. Can you imagine a 14-year-old in war? Because that's who she was. And being a leader in war, not just a soldier, not just a uh, non-combatant or, or what have you, but she was... Uh, like of a general's rank, right? That's mm-hmm. what the she was a commander. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that um, you know, when we think about the cartoon stuff and we see episodes of her running around, spinning, flipping, kicking, you know, knocking, you know, stuff down. Um, and you know, they're all for all the story arcs that are good, both in Rebels and in Clone Wars, where you know, in the Rebels episodes that she's in. All of that mm-hmm. is really interesting, but it's a cartoon. Yep. And when we see yep. a human actor who is a child, it really hit like, oh my God, this is a child leading troops into battle. Mm-hmm. Right. And having she- to live with the idea that she's led people to their deaths. Exactly. You're not, even if you were trained at the war college and you have all this crazy military experience and what have you, you still, as a human being, if you're not a sociopath, you still are going to have feelings about that, about, uh, mm-hmm. about sending people to their deaths. Um, yep. and, and from world to world, I mean, they're blowing up ships left and right. They're attacking this world and that world. That's a lot of death and destruction at her hands even mm-hmm. though she's part of a command structure, right? So she's part of an army. Did you but, recognize baby Ahsoka? Uh, because you've what? seen her in a movie recently. Oh, oh, the actor. Yes. Yes. Uh, Gamora. That wasn't that baby Gamora. She's also, the? um, the daughter in Barbie, the daughter of the executive in Barbie. Oh, oh, really? Mm-hmm. It's oh, all we the just same saw- person. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. She's, uh, she's uh, picking up all the franchises. Yeah, big time. That's uh, we just saw. Finally, Ariana just saw Greenblatt Barbie. is okay. her name. Ariana Greenblatt. Uh, we just saw Barbie, and I'm I'm actually having trouble uh, placing her, but um, I have to do mm-hmm. the Googles the, now. I I don't want to spoil it, but the one who goes on a journey <laughs> with her mom. Okay. Right. Um. Anyway, that's that's incredible. That um, because she. The, she inhabited the the child Ahsoka really she well. She did. It felt like like when when she first went into the past, it really felt like this was adult Ahsoka in a child's body talking like, "What the hell am I doing here?" Mm-hmm. And then over time, she became that that kid again. Yeah. Through yeah, that, here he is. That here, here she is, Ariana Greenblatt. Yeah. Wow. So I, I thought she did an amazing her. job with this. Uh, really, kudos to to that. Nailed all the dialogue with with 
Hayden Christensen and even Hayden Christensen in these deliveries of these, you know, platitudes and all these little lessons, he really felt like he was acting and not just reciting lines. (laughs) And I was so impressed. I was like, what were we robbed of Mm. with the prequel trilogy? Just because George Lucas had a weird thing going on. Right, right. And and that was one of his stated goals was was how do we here's this monster Darth Vader how does how do we do, get there how does that happen so let's go back and yeah that and and I think isn't that what Filoni was doing with Clone Wars was actually trying to show us those mm-hmm. in between years made uh, a lot more sense with those in between years and right, right you know this this because. He's 19 in the Clone Wars, right? He's essentially mm-hmm. a child soldier, too. I mean, look, let's not debate how young we <laughs> we allow people to join the military, but putting somebody like that as a general in a war is pretty terrible. And yeah, let's not debate real world military tactics, but right, right. this was, I think, very formative for creating Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it has to because... Vader is ruthless. He's relentless. He is uh, powerful. He mm-hmm. is cunning, um, and n- not only in in ways of the Sith and in manipulating people, but also just as a you know uh, as a presence in on a battlefield or in a in a in a fight scene. Where did that come from? It came from mm-hmm. this stuff. Did you like when Anakin? When uh, sorry, and Ahsoka. She alluded to the Darth Vader thing, and he's like, "Is that what this is about?" Like, yes, <laughs> you know, I kill one set of younglings, and all of a sudden, I'm the bad guy. Or you know, a, a whole village of uh, of uh, sand people, uh, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Genocide, you know. Um, <laughs> I I also thought that Hayden did a really great job inhabiting the different younger versions of Anakin. Yes, uh, and I yep. really felt that. That was the Clone Wars. It had a tonality to his voice Mm -hmm. and the way that he carried his body really felt um, appropriate. I I really felt the the transition from animated to live action was successful. Like it was really, Mm -hmm. really good. I really enjoyed his performance. So yeah, I I agree with you. Like what were we robbed of by, uh, by these weird tone poems? Yeah, he seemed so much more confident at the beginning of the Clone Wars, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. as time went on, Cocky. you're at the Siege of Mandalore, mm-hmm. and he's really something darker. Yeah. Just automatically something darker, not just with the hairstyle and the scar, but also just the way he presents everything he's saying. And I I really think that Hayden did an excellent job portraying that. Did you like seeing Death Watch in live action? Yeah, that was great. That was uh, very cool to see the, the Siege of Mandalore uh, the helmets and yeah, it mm-hmm. was that was awesome. Um, you know, it's something it, that somebody pointed out that I did not put together until somebody said this on Reddit, and I have not verified this, so this could be wrong. But that the clones in Episode Two, Attack of the Clones, were all CGI, the big armies, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so this is the first time we have ever seen Phase oh, One clone troopers in practical nice. effects. That's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Because everyone thought you wanted CGI back then, but no, they were like, they we're doing practical effects here. Yeah. We even got Rex. Was that Tamora's voice? I think it, it must have been. I think if uh did I think there was a rumor that he had signed on um as a 
in the casting somewhere. There was, but that could be, you know. Yeah, it was anyway. rumor, and I haven't yeah. gone back to, to validate that. All I can say, though, is for Rex, okay, I, I get it. This episode was about Ahsoka and this process that she had to go through and then getting, you know, to the other galaxy. Fine. But that was not enough Rex. <laughs> that was for all the buildup we were getting. Are we going to get Rex? Is it going to happen? That was, uh, it was very short. Uh, I think so that I, was an exactly appropriate amount of Rex. You think so? I think okay. that was fine. I think for that was a non, nice nod. For, I think, and I, I think if you were not a animated verse person, it wouldn't have mattered. Right. right? It was just a yeah. clone trooper saying yeah. something and, and, you know, with a particular different unit, slightly different uniform than the rest of them. So, and that's the best kind of fan service, right? Is the one that you can appreciate it. If you know what it is, you don't have to worry about it if you don't. And then when somebody points it out, you go, okay, that's cool. Right. It it worked. Yeah. That's totally the, the choreography at the, during the fight scene of the siege of Mandalore, when child soldier, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, that was just gorgeous, just beautiful physical fight set up. I, I love that she didn't have her Padawan tassel anymore. She had her double mm-hmm. sabers, right? They really went historically accurate. She had her green saber, you know, in the yes, in the yes, yes. Things. Remember, we had that feedback in our prep about the lightsaber colors, and if we mm-hmm. can describe what happened, love that they are being accurate with it. Yeah. How at the beginning she has green, then she has blue at the siege of Mandalore because mm-hmm. Anakin had refurbished her lightsabers, right? And now in the present, she's got white. Yeah. It's it was really, really nice. And I, I wouldn't expect anything less from Filoni from, a, you know, something that Filoni is working on to mm-hmm. have them miss lore details like that. Yeah, they did uh, avoid using her original Clone Wars costume, which we can all agree was a good choice. Yeah, because it was a tube top <laughs> and it just <laughs> it didn't. Yeah, it, it was problematic when it happened. Yeah. And it would be worse now with a live action. That's person. right. Um. And this whole thing of of um, of uh, you know calling her snips and you know she didn't ever ever call him Sky Guy, but you know that because it was and stupid th- and they dropped that even by the end of the Clone Wars, right, right. But I think you know for folks who who might not necessarily know that bit of lore, he told her to not get snippy uh, when they were first starting to mm-hmm. work together, and so then yeah, she called him Sky Guy. And and then he said, "Don't get snippy." And so then the, it was Sky Guy and Snips. Uh, they really forced the Sky Guy thing. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was not good. Snips, I think, was fine. That's cute. That's right. fine. I didn't think Sky Guy was great. She needed something better for him. Maybe there was a better one. I'm not saying he shouldn't have a nickname, right? But uh, Sky Guy isn't it, and Annie isn't it. Thanks, Padme. <laughs> Annie, little Annie. What oh, was Annie, up? Hold me with... like you did on Naboo. Okay, uh, I'm don't done. stop. We're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to really <laughs> really hold our tongues for the Revenge of the Sith episode. We do. We and we have to watch that. We got to get that schedule. Oh, I forgot mm-hmm. to put that down for the October schedule. I gotta add that in. Don't yeah, we're we're getting back on the horse, everyone. Yeah. we're trying to now that the the triple coverage is coming to an end. We are resuming our monthlies. Yeah, and in summertime, and I think next year, I think we'll have some idea, better ideas about how we're going to manage mm-hmm. ourselves during mm-hmm. the summer. Uh, but I had a question for you that I didn't quite understand, and I I got a, a, a confused a little bit too with the Mandalorian helmets, right? With the Darth mm-hmm. Maul sort of horny bits when they were back on in the world between worlds, and uh, they're fighting that last fight. His eyes got all red, and I was like, "Yep." That was very Darth Maul looking 
uh, eye ring thing. Very dead. Well, you you see that in dark side users other than Darth Maul. Okay. All right. Yeah, all that's right. that's a thing. Like, look at the Emperor. He gets the yellow eyes. Okay. Going on. You, you we've seen that happen to multiple Sith and and dark side users. Okay. Cool. I, I wasn't sure exactly what because I was like, wait a minute, he's not going to turn into Death Morning mm-hmm. or something like that. So yeah. Did you see Ahsoka's eyes flash? Yes. A little bit yellow red. Yes. And I was trying to understand was that just lightsaber uh reflection or was that actual force stuff moving Why through not her? Both? Yeah, I I you think know. so. And I and that's and that's when the moment she when she makes a choice. I really love the combination of the dialogue and the fight here. Okay. I've been seeing debates online about who this version of Anakin is, right? Mm-hmm. Is this Anakin before he fell? Is this No. Darth Exactly. So people are are debating. Is it Anakin before he fell? Is it post Anakin who is fighting with the innervator or is it post Vader Anakin who has accepted his innervator and has made peace with it? And I think that the third is the most interesting. This is the this is the Vader who was saved by his son, who killed the emperor and died at the battle of um, of Endor. Mm-hmm. Andor, yes, thank you. I was trying to. I got Endor, stuck not Andor. No, Andor, no, 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 let's yeah, not yeah, bring, yeah. Let's not bring Cassian into this. I got little fuzzy things, brown <laughs> fuzzy things floating around in my head, and I, I forgot the name for a second. So, yeah, I think this is that Anakin. And it's interesting because is is this – is I had some questions about this space because Ahsoka, when she gets here, she doesn't remember being here before. Mm-hmm. And she has a little short-term memory about her uh, fight with uh, Balin Skull. Skull, Skull, Skull. Okay, now I've got – we got a feedback, got feedback about feedback. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pronunciation, and now I'm all screwed up. You listen, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it now. You can tell me not to say Balon all you want. I'm from Long Island originally. <laughs> Long Island. And I'm going to say Balon. <laughs> and I'm going to say it even harder now. <laughs> even though we love your feedback, and we're so appreciative. I'm going to say it so – Dirty Long Islander, right. you're gonna just cringe in your car seat all day. <laughs> but anyway, she doesn't remember being there, and she doesn't remember her fight with Balin. Um, and so, you know, in, the, in this whole idea that Anakin is like, oh, I'm here to teach you your your final lesson. Um, if he was an evil, purely evil spirit or whatever he is. Um, I don't think that this would have gone the way it went, right? It it's yeah, and 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 the story that they told us in Return of the Jedi was that he was redeemed, right? He was saved mm-hmm. and in the end redeemed. Um, which so it, which there's debate about that too. Was he redeemed or did he just do one right thing at the end? Right. Well, that's the. I think that's that's a very important question and, and conversation that we have to have in the real world, mm-hmm. which Can you is redeem yourself from, you know, several genocides and, and <laughs> right, 20 right. years of, of ruthless. You got to make the flip, yeah. right? And then there's work to be done later down the road in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, restoration, rehabilitation, repair, whatever, however you want to, you know, phrase that stuff. You got some work. But not if do. you're killed by your boss <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> with Who, the, the emperor. 
Right. Yeah. Because because uh, he dies from Palpatine's wounds, right? Yeah. From yeah. The, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. He, but he threw him over. You know, he and he, right. and he saved his son. And I'm, I'm just joking. I'm like, okay. you know, <laughs> he doesn't have any work to do because he died. Right. right. <laughs> but yeah, this Anakin seems to have done quite a lot of work in the be between times, before times, after times. So he's he's uh, people are saying, did he voluntarily call out Vader? to test Ahsoka there. And I think that's right. I think he brought out Vader to be like, face this, face the darkness within me and within you and overcome it. Absolutely. So this idea of this um, shadow warrior, this spiritual training ground, proving ground, this is Luke on Dagobah, right? This is going Mm -hmm. down into the cave and, and seeing the apparition of Vader and, and, striking it and you know seeing his own face this is a a thing that is in in a number of books and in in other uh, genres you know where the the monastic you know the 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 initiate who is training whatever at some point has to cross into this spirit world and they have to learn you know a particular lesson or or get through a particular trial or test to be able to understand what is you know reality versus mm-hmm. you know your own fears being project projected forward so this is sort of a tried and true uh, I, I don't, i'm not saying trope in a in a negative sense but a, a device uh, uh you know a literary device that is sure i i say elsewhere. all the time tropes are good things tropes yeah. are things that help you tell a story they're colors for your palette right for your right. paintbrush palette and, and trope just gets sometimes um, used in a negative way, and so you know, uh, isolating the that that it's not a, it's critique, not criticism, kind of you know comment. Anyway, people don't hate tropes; they hate tropes used badly. Uh, that is seriously dead accurate, co- true. I couldn't agree with that more. That is a, a great way to to, to phrase that. Um, so yeah, this idea of this sort of uh, spiritual training ground that's in this other space is a trope that is, you know, is is well used in a, in a lot of places. And so who is this Anakin that lives in this other space? He, you know, this Force Ghost space. Um it, he is all of that. And but he is also not a, a terrestrial Anakin. He is not a mundane Anakin. He is not a flesh and blood Anakin. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, I can't give him the motive of, uh, Oh, is he, you know, is he, you know, this one or that one? He is the, he is, he's passed into a wholeness and, and exists in another place where we can't, I don't know. We need Marilyn here to, to decode this for us. Yeah. Or Anthony. Um, but his, his spiritual nature has transcended just these simple, uh, uh, categories of, you know, is it a good Vader or bad Vader? Is it a good Anakin or a bad Anakin? Right. Mm-hmm. And he is not only serving, he's not only whatever he is, but he is also serving as a mirror to Ahsoka. So she, what her fears are and her hurts are and her trauma is, is being projected onto this scrim of, of what this Anakin spirit is. And so is he flickering into the Vader things or is that her fears being projected out the fear of what she could become because she is part mm-hmm. of this, um, this legacy of this knowledge right. passed down and that knowledge was corrupted 
and that knowledge was dangerous. And and she's the inheritor of it. And it terrifies her. And that's why it makes her such a shitty master, (laughs) right? That's why she can't train Sabine. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's afraid. Because she's afraid to pass it down. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Fear leads to anger, you know? Yes. All that. uh, Yeah. So something that struck me as very interesting was Hayden and Anakin, you know, closing his eyes and purging the evil from himself. Before mm-hmm. he reopened his eyes, his eyes went from red to mm. to back to blue, mm-hmm. and I thought that was great. Uh, that that was so that you know you're asking is this a is this a reflection? I, I think it's that's part of it, but I think also it is Anakin sure, purposefully yeah. showing Vader. An interesting tweet I saw today was mm-hmm. someone to made a made a gif of some people call it a gif uh, made a gif <laughs> of Anakin you know, coming in as the Vader, as the red lightsaber Vader, you know, flashing back and forth. And they said, this is the Vader that Obi-Wan denied Palpatine. This all powerful Jedi turned evil who had all his limbs and all his power and could just kill millions. Right. right? Decimate. Yeah. This would have been Vader. He wouldn't have had to walk slowly. He could have run. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. It's terrifying. Right. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, so uh, Ahsoka the White. Uh, yeah, yeah. We we have this beautiful metaphor of her being reborn and baptized in the water. Um, yeah, there you go. There's you know, a trope for you. you very much so. Very much so. And and this was pointed out, and I think, was it Davey Mack or somebody on the Discord posted an image way back, I think at episode one, when we were comparing the scene of Sabine on Lothal in front of the mural and uh, mm-hmm. Ahsoka comes to pick her up. And in the animated series, she's very, she's wearing white and she has a staff, very Gandalfian, right? Very, very much that. Yep. And in in the beginning of the of of episode one or at the end of episode one there where she comes to get Sabine, she's wearing a gray cloak. And so everybody was like, oh, but she was in white. Oh, but she was in gray. And here she's just clearly in white. She's sitting with Huyang in in their shuttle. The whole scene is bathed in white light, right? It's everything is clean and white. And so you have this sense of of rebirth and of of um, of a newness but also mm-hmm. wholeness mm-hmm. Uh, that she then, didn't have access to before. And then you have, of course, if you want to get more biblical with it, you've got Jonah the whale happening <laughs> right here. <laughs> happening right here. Seriously. Although it was a big fish. Technically, it was a big fish. It's never right. called a whale explicitly. Right. We're just right. going to call it a whale here. But um, yeah, they're, they're, well, they're not the even technically the beast, huh? fish. Uh, they'd be more of a cephalopod, I think. So ah, there's something that's yeah. fine. Um, space whales, but I, I love this, the, I was, you know, when I was watching it last night with my spouse who thought it was fine, she was, she was fine with all of it and she, it was, it was good. Uh, so as a, not again, a, a, a person who's not watched the animated stuff, she's not bouncing off of it. This isn't none of what we saw last night, um, uh, through her, you know, she didn't want to get off the bus. She's like, you know, still, still riding it. She is. <laughs> laughing at all the decisions that boy these people make a lot of dumb decisions about dumb person (laughs) behavior as i would say exactly it's hilarious uh but the um idea that 
Ahsoka had to heal this trauma and to face this fear of what she might become, right? This whole, it, literally, it's the human heart in conflict with itself. It, it, right, it, it, right. It's, she, she, she has power. She knows she has power. She is one of the wisest, most experienced Jedi that still exists. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe she not. Has, You'll see why. Yeah, she might. She might not be a Jedi still. Let's. I. I well, okay. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm force gonna user. take issue with that. Yeah. Yeah. Part timer. Side force user. Yeah. <laughs> Part timer. Um, yeah. That you know that um, that the trauma of being a child soldier. And, oh, oh, and when Balin says to her, like, oh, you know, everybody knew Anakin back in the day, and why'd you abandon him? And oh, that must have. Mm-hmm. That must have been. That really that comment now it retrospectively stings even more it when does. he says it. And what does she does. say? Oh, interesting. But ooh, no, that went that one went in. I think mm-hmm. so. Did you like the one line that this was the only piece of dialogue I liked in the whole Hera plot line where she says to Hu Yang, "What was Ahsoka's master like?" Pauses dramatically. <laughs> Intense. Intense. Yeah. <laughs> Understatement, right? Yeah. Right. I, I I fast forwarded through all the the, the non Anakin uh, Ahsoka bits when I did my rewatch. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great, but it's no. okay. It's Fine. okay. The the Anakin stuff all made up for it. There yeah. was a line that Anakin said that was really great, which was Baby Ahsoka was saying, you know, war and and battle mm. is that all. Mm is that all I'm going to be able to teach mm, my Padawan? And he, about, yeah. And he goes, no, because that's not all you are because that's mm. not all I am. Mm. And it was really the words of an Anakin who has processed his Vaderdom, mm-hmm. right? Has processed that there is a darkness in him, has acknowledged it and has learned to tame it. Interesting. Yeah. There's a, a an arc in the Clone Wars where Yoda is trying to learn how to become a Force ghost, mm-hmm. and they make him go through all these trials, this, these Force entities. It's very confusing. Just it's fine. It's a fine arc. Right. And anyway, he um, he says basically, I don't have a dark side. You know, I've I've mastered the dark side. I'm hundreds <laughs> of years old. Don't worry about me. And they basically prove to him that his arrogance is what his dark side is, right? Mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. his sureness that he can't be tempted is what makes him temptable. Right, right. Perfect. And it's only yeah. after acknowledging that dark side within him that he can fully embrace the light. Kind of reminds me of another story we read not too long ago by mm-hmm. uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, the Wizard of Ursi. Yep. Uh, yep. Where it's all over fantasy. Yep. Yeah. Ged has to embrace and become whole. And then once he's become whole, he can't be um, corrupted or used by another power um, mm-hmm. unless he you know, chose to. And I think that's something that we're seeing here with Ahsoka is, is that she's now embraced her wholeness and she's accepted yep. the, 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 the things that she did, the things that she was responsible for. And then is letting go of the things that she's not responsible for and, yeah. and didn't have the ability to uh, affect. She couldn't stop Palpatine from corrupting um, uh, Anakin. 
You know, I, no. she would have gotten ground up, I think. I mean, it's debatable, whatever, but, you know, it's it's not her fault. And she didn't, nece- you know, she didn't necessarily abandon him. I don't think her sticking around the Jedi Temple and staying a Jedi would have altered the ultimate outcome. No, no. It was all about his fear of losing Padme. And right. Yeah, it wasn't great. Was not yeah. great. And uh, and it's not even her fault she left, right? I mean, she had to do what was best for her in that moment, and she was not safe around the Jedi. No, yeah, I, I totally agree that that she did she she had to do that for herself. And I think that's part of her journey as well. Yeah. I, I got a question. When you did you see the scar that Anakin has on his face over mm-hmm. his eye? Was that when she when when Ahsoka uh, hit him when they were all at the temple in the um, the last time they faced off with each other. No, I don't think so. He's had a, he had a scar in Revenge of the Sith. Okay. All yeah. Right. No. He, this is this is classic. Um, I'm just not remembering where he got that scar from. That's the all. scar. So. I just looked it up because I couldn't even remember. Okay. Uh, it's in a comic book. Okay. Which is kind of silly that it's in a comic book, but it's Ventress who gives him. The oh, interesting. Scar, it sounds like. Okay. Yep. yep. Crazy. Okay. Good stuff. Good um, stuff. I, I don't know that I've got really anything more to, to say specifically about this episode. I'm still actually kind of processing it. I, 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 I when I was watching it's, it's it, it's a big with, deal with my spouse last night, I kind of I turned it off and we were, I was just kind of lost in a daze and I was trying to separate out the non-Anakin uh, Ahsoka stuff from the Anakin Ahsoka stuff, which, and it was just so trippy. It was just such a, mm-hmm. we live in this world now where we've got an Andor and we've got a Mandalorian and we've got this. I don't know what this is. This is a a much more spiritual, much more myth, myth mystic, mystical yep. Yep. Uh, kind of Star Wars. Space whales and ancient temples. Like, this is just really weird. We love it. We love this it. This is so far from Han Solo on, you know, mm-hmm. on Tatooine. I got to say, I've been, I love Andor. Andor is is mm-hmm. maybe my favorite Star Wars. I'm not totally sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's up there. I am sad about what Andor has done to the Star Wars discourse. Because okay. every single thread I see is, oh, right. yeah, well, right. this it's could no be Andor. like Andor. <laughs> because I don't want it all to be like Andor. I no. don't want this series to be Andor. I want this to be what it is. Mm-hmm. So far, it's been great. I think episode three was the only episode that fell a little flat. And it was because it was all set up, really. Right. Um, and it sounds and interestingly, like... Interestingly, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that you're probably the same thing. That it might they might have chopped it because the yeah, studio wanted yeah. eight episodes instead of six. Which, you know... Yeah, we that's what I'm saying. All day about that, but uh, that's yeah. what I'm saying. There's problems at core leadership here, and uh, you know, at, at Lucasfilm. But anyway, that's a different story. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that the only weak episode was one that felt like it should have been part of Episode Four, mm. and it, I just think this is great. And it would not have been the same thing if we didn't see lightsabers. If everything was dark and and angsty, I think this mm-hmm. needed to be what it is. You know, you see a tonal shift happening already in this show mm-hmm. after the world between worlds, after the Anakin thing. 
Ahsoka's open again, right? She is yeah. smiling. She is yes. opening yes, herself up smiling. to. I didn't even pick up on that. that I mean, I did, but I. herself up to the Purgles, opening yeah. herself up to. I forgot the name of it. They give it a specific name, but being able to sense force echoes and objects, that's a right. very specific and rare skill that the protagonist of the Jedi Fallen Order games has. Okay. I don't think we've seen it elsewhere. I think Balin has it, right? Because he goes and he does something similar when he's there. I don't recall. But oh, no, I, he I, does it. He does it to get Sabine. Uh, he does it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, does he do well, it or I don't know, because he does something else. Ahsoka had maybe. like a full. Yeah, she had like yeah. a full vision there, you know. Right. Um. Anyway, so it was it was a, a night and day difference between pre Anakin mm. Ahsoka and post yeah. Anakin Ahsoka. And I, I think that that was on purpose. And I I'm really excited to see where the series is going to go, because it seems like Ahsoka kind of got a wake up call. Right. She's got a mm. second a second calling now and she's going to be her younger self a little bit again this person mm. who had hope mm. and i think that's beautiful yeah all right well let's take a quick break david when we get back we'll do some listener feedback what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And we're back and ready for the Lady Alicia Tano. Uh, here we go. She's going to talk to us about hyperspace travel. Hey, Alicia here. What an episode. I think this is going to go down as one of the Star Wars TV all-time greats, uh, cemented by that shot of Anakin Vader walking through the mist. I loved Teleron Riyad. Uh, I'm sorry, I mean the world between worlds. Uh, <laughs> young Ahsoka was perfect. And I again loved everything with the Purgle. Uh, I love that by Ahsoka using the Purgle to travel the way Ezra also did in Rebels, it's showing the, that these post-Order 66 Jedi are getting back in touch with their ancient roots. Um, the Purgle, the space whales, they were the ones the ancient Rakata learned hyperspace travel from. Uh, the Rakata being the dark side users best known from the Knights of the Old Republic game, though they're canon now too. They learned from observing the Purgle, and apparently everyone else learned from them. Though other animals, like the Loth Wolves, have similar abilities. And uh, there was even a Jedi woman in the High Republic books named uh, Venestra Rowe, who developed a force power called hyperspace tripping. And the Chiss, uh, Thrawn's people, they used little girls with special talents for similar purposes, calling them <clears throat> Skywalkers. Uh, <laughs> but unlike Purgle... Starships using hyperspace need hyperfuel like coaxium. I would assume the Purgle, Lothwolves, and etc. that they generate a chemical like this naturally. Um, basically, when you travel through hyperspace, you're traveling through a higher dimension outside of our normal time and space. So like a fifth dimension, if the fourth dimension is regular time. And that fifth dimension is all around and through the dimensions we normally perceive. But we have no notion of it unless we can somehow step outside our existing dimensions using a process that canon vaguely calls molecular displacement, i.e. breaking the speed of light, as was learned from the Purgle. And if anyone's interested in these concepts of higher dimensions, I strongly recommend the non-Star Wars books, Flatland and The Boy Who Reversed Me, for much better explanations. Uh, they're both short books for young readers, but they explain higher dimensional concepts better than most physics books I've read. 
Apparently, Lucas, though, he borrowed his concept of hyperspace from the foundation books. So I'd love to hear from Marilyn or anyone else who has read about it in those books, how the concept compares. Anyway, I suppose a hyperspace lane or the Simu tunnels formed by the Purgle can be thought of similarly to wormholes, but really they're just fixed routes within hyperspace that will get you from point A to point B without, say, popping back into regular space in the core of a planet or something. But up until now, this hyperspace technology has pretty much been used to travel within the same galaxy, and nobody who went further ever seemed to come back, leaving only distorted messages warning of horrific gravitational anomalies beyond. As for what they'll find on the other side of Ahsoka's Purgle trip, well, I shared um, my thoughts on a bunch of different theories a few weeks ago, but it's worth mentioning two more. The new canon Thrawn books, um, his enemies are the Grisk, who enslave their victims, body and soul. And that group, like the Chiss, Thrawn's people again, um, they're supposed to be from the unknown regions of the main galaxy, but that's easy enough to retcon, so who knows. And there's another group, only vaguely mentioned a couple of times in canon, called the Amaxine Warriors, who left the galaxy millennia ago after being defeated by the Old Republic. So they didn't originally come from another galaxy, but it's interesting that they've been mentioned in books from both the High Republic and the New Republic, the era Ahsoka takes place in. Or maybe the new galaxy is just where gassy marks are grown. <laughs> gassy marks. Love it. <laughs> well, that was fun, Alicia. Thanks again for writing in about hyperspace. The Star Wars science certainly does not feel like science a lot of the time. <laughs> a lot of the times. But I Dropping bombs in space, you know. Yeah, like but I, I do appreciate that you've tried to bring some realist, realism back into this. Well, it could be whatever it wants to be as long as the rules have some consistency or we understand the, the operations. <laughs> hey, you're asking for two months now, David. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to happen in Star Knock Wars. Knock it off. <laughs> Knock it off. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. I'm, every time Alicia sends in a lore bomb, my, my head does ex literally explode. So thank you, Alicia. That yeah. was a good one. We've got feedback, David. We do. Star Wars at the lorehounds.com is how you can get it to us, or you can head to the lorehounds.com and you can write in like Patrick M saying, Hey guys, let me start out and say y'all are awesome. I love getting a more casual Star Wars approach versus other Star Wars podcasts. Hey, thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. Yeah, I think, you know, not not to, um, uh, you know, every podcast has its you know, own vibe and some particular thing. We're not a specialist Star Wars podcast. And I know going into those specialist Star Wars podcasts can be, whew, it's a lot. Uh, it's heady and, and it, it's there very- There can be a lot of assumed knowledge, right? Yeah, exactly. Where mm -hmm. we're trying to be, very enthusiastic fans and appreciative fans without being the um, so we're not the maesters in the tower, right? You know, mm -hmm. arguing over, mm -hmm. you know, commas and periods and in sentences and the meanings thereof. No, so we listen to our Tolkien podcast for that. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Patrick continues for the love of the force. His name is pronounced like <laughs> Balin or Balen, not Balon. Patrick, I've already addressed this. I think um, just to continue, I'll pronounce it differently every time. I'll say Bayline and I'll say <laughs> Baleone uh, or something Baleen. like that. Just, uh, yeah, Baleen. I'll think of you every time, Patrick. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, Patrick says, I've been cringing for weeks now and I can't take it anymore. Ha ha. Cheers, fellas. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for Thanks, writing. Thanks, Patrick. In. I'm just Do not hesitate. Fun. Yeah. I'm just We, we appreciate fun. it. You should have, yeah. I mean, go back and listen to Rings of Power and and don't, hear us uh, pronounce. Don't do that. 
Don't do it. All right, Lord Moving Master on. Eric F. Hey, guys. First off, you neglected to answer the trivia question that won me episode three tickets. I'm very curious to hear if you guys know the answer. This in goes back a couple four, uh, episodes when uh, Eric wrote in to tell us that he got to meet Lucas and everybody when uh, the uh, episode three was uh, out. So anyway, carry on. Okay. He asks, in episode four, A New Hope, Luke lives with his Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Uncle Owen was a farmer. What did he farm? The answer is below. David, will you guess? I honestly knew the answer before, uh, so okay. I don't need to guess. I'm going to guess that he uh, he farmed bad attitudes because that's what the Skywalkers <laughs> have all around. Got chips on the shoulders. Yeah, yeah. What's the answer, David? A moisture farmer. He's a moisture farmer. Yep. Well, that's silly. Just, just get a, get a. I don't even know. Get a Brita. Did filter. you not? Did you not know that? Honestly, I didn't know that. I don't. Really? Know. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm more of a prequel guy than an OT guy. You know. Okay. That. I think. You know? Yeah. I don't know why I know that. I mean, it's in the. It's in. Yeah. I don't know. It's just embedded knowledge. I just, you know, I, I just okay. take it for granted. Like Tatooine's got twin sons. You know, I don't know the names of those sons, but I know it's got twin sons. Anyway, now. Eric F. continues, on to the subject of my email. Is it me or is the armor that Balinor and Shin <laughs> are wearing <laughs> eerily reminiscent of the armor worn by General Kenobi and the clone troopers during the Clone Wars, or at least seems to be cannibalized from it? All right. All right. I'm into that. I, I think uh, at Balin's age, he probably was a Clone Wars soldier. He probably mm-hmm. was fighting in that. So that that tracks. And then if we we do see a little bit of uh, some pieces of armor on Anakin in um, in some of this. So, yeah. And and it just they feel like knights, right? They, they feel like, you know, that it, it, it's like wearing a lab coat and, and putting a stethoscope around you. Right. You know, you're mm-hmm. it's you're you're putting on the tropey expected um, things. And so I think it does really work. I think it, his armor is amazing and it looks uh, perfect for yeah. his role. And it, it also sets me up for going into the deep history stuff, bo- both into the acolyte and then whatever we're going to get from sort of, um, Oh, what's the earlier age that they're show that they're talking about? The old about? Republic. Yeah. The old at. Republic. Yeah. 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 So also, why does Hera's son not have any of her physical characteristics? That kind of threw me off. I was watching this episode with my wife because I wanted to show her some cool Clone War scenes. Mm-hmm. And they got to Jason. She was like, what's, what's going on with that? And I said, well, they probably ran out of costuming budget. So they sent the PA to Sally's <laughs> for some hair dye. And they said, just get some green hair dye and let's just, let's just dye this kid's hair green. Oh, man. It does not make sense. I completely agree with that. I'm just going to bypass this. I don't need to add to any (laughs) upset or toxicity or whatever. We're just moving on, right? They definitely ran out of costume budget. That's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going with. (laughs) That's your headcanon. Yep. Uh, Thanks for all the hard work, guys. Loremaster Eric F. Thanks, Eric. Always a pleasure to hear from you. I'm sorry that we left out your trivia question the first time, but I didn't know it anyway. Yeah, I will love to hear your uh, some reaction uh, thoughts from you from uh, after this episode. So definitely send in, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll definitely do a uh, season wrap up pod. I think for uh, Ahsoka. So, yep. Aaron T writes in newest lore master via the contact form. Hey, fellas. thanks, Aaron. Uh, thanks, Aaron. Yeah, uh, concerning Ray Stevenson's Balin's skull. 
I was thrilled to see his full combat prowess on display in Ahsoka episode four, and it got me thinking about a potential connection with another beloved Jedi from the pre-Empire era. We see Skull's minimalist style in action during his duel with Ahsoka, but that never used more energy than required mentality was also shown by our guy Mace Windu. Think the big, the Thunderbug Dome, Donnie Brook in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah, on Geonosis. That mm-hmm. was a uh, that was a uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh-huh. Uh, he says Windu, if memory serves, was supposed to be second only to Yoda in his lethality and effectiveness with the lightsaber. And given what little we know of Skull's history, it seems to me that he was at least a contemporary of Windu, if not an adherent to the same lightsaber fighting style. Wikipedia tells me it's form seven, also known as Juyo or the ferocity form. Hmm. I, I love that there's these different lightsaber forms. That's yeah, so cool. I, I didn't realize. And I think it goes back to last episode when Ahsoka was fighting him and why she didn't use the two sabers. I think recognizing his form, she understood that tactically it was better to for her to not use two sabers yeah. uh, in that particular thing. And so, yeah. again, you know, just showing her mastery of, um, you know, these different things. Mm hmm. I hope the series gives us some more development of Balin, as I've been a fan of Ray Stevenson since the Rome series and god-awful King Arthur film days. His loss definitely stings. Agreed. I am so sad that this is his only season of Ahsoka. Yeah, he really has brought a lot to uh, Star Wars, and yeah, he's sorely missed. And agreed. I I think the first time I saw him, I can't believe he was in King Arthur film days. I wonder which one that he's talking about. Um, but certainly Rome was, a uh, was when I first, uh, met Ray Stevenson as, um, Titus Pulo, uh, and that he did a great job with that character. Mm-hmm. Nice. Thank you both for diving Montreal first into Ahsoka. <laughs> I was definitely one of those rebel series devotees and seeing some of my all-time favorite Star Wars characters brought into live action has been an absolute thrill. Your thoughts and commentary are always appreciated, and I love that you're willing to give differing perspectives on an open platform. I also owe you a debt of gratitude as you're tangentially responsible for getting my wife into Star Wars, as she recently had to ask, who the hell is Bo-Katan, after (laughs) weeks of me walking around the house singing, Bo-Katan is full of shit. (laughs) We haven't heard that one in a while. That's that's super fun. I I do appreciate that that has... (laughs) What an unintended consequence of that song. <laughs> that is on the on the Patreon benefits. Yes, right? you that, can that you is... can download that right now if you're a lore fiend or lore master. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. uh, definitely go check that out, Aaron T. You get you can have that whole song and you can play it incessantly and drive your yeah. You your can wife you nuts. can have that on road trips now. That's right. Your wife is gonna love it. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing, and I'm proud to be a new supporter of the show. Thanks, Aaron. Happy to have you, and and Absolutely. hope you hope your wife enjoys Bogotan as much as we hate her. Just kidding. I love Bogotan now. I love Kate Chris V via the contact form at thelorehounds.com says Balin is simply. See, I'm trying. I'm trying, Patrick. Are you paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> he says Balin is simply looking for war to explode across the galaxy. That's the power he's looking for. Hmm. I forget where it's mentioned. Chaos is a ladder. Is that what he's looking for? All right. Uh, I forget where it's mentioned. Maybe it's legends from Darth Bane or Plagueis novels. But apparently for dark side force users, when there's widespread war like there was during the Galactic Civil War and the Clone Wars, 
that it's easier for dark side users to harness those vibes and makes it easier for them to access the dark side of the force, which would inherently make them stronger. It's not going to be a MacGuffin for what Balon is Balin is looking for, uh, but instead just the fact that Theron will come back and start a war. Mm. All right. All right. I think that would be unsatisfying. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. If that were the only motivation is I want chaos just so I get more powerful. I don't buy it. I don't buy okay. it. I don't like that. So, but I, um, I appreciate I think, the sentiment, though. I think that, you know, he does. He is searching for an intangible. I don't think he's searching for a tangible MacGuffin because he's saying, you know, for a greater good and for a higher purpose and something that is uh, opposite in somehow oppositionally different from what the Jedi were trying to maintain with order and, and whatnot. So he is definitely a, a bad guy with a mission that he believes in that it's going to do something good, which is a good, good guy, a good, bad guy, right? That's a, a Thanosian style bad guy where there's a real motivation and a set of values in, in operation there. So um, I agree that it's not a specific. He's not looking for the magic ring or the glove or whatever, but he's looking for a condition. Um, what that condition is or how it's triggered by war. Yeah, I think that's an open, open. We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. I think he's actually looking for Willy Wonka's golden ticket. But, um, <laughs> you know, could be anything. Marilyn Arpukila, our favorite Tolkien scholar, writes in, Hello, John and David. Hello, Marilyn. It's been getting real, isn't it? Uh, I had a response to John's comment concerning the galaxy being too big for one entity to control. I entirely agree. I've thought that for a while now. Uh, a confederation of independent planets would be much better. But then I do come from the States. I also am back to one of my key criticisms of Foundation, which started this pattern off in sci-fi. Plants are generally presented as monocultures. Planets. Planets. Yes, yeah. I see. I see. There's there's a there's missing a here. Planets are generally presented as monocultures. I, 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 I was like, wow, Marilyn's really passionate about <laughs> horticulture. Um <laughs> Uh, each planet is more like a country with no social or cultural variants that we see. Yeah, this holds yeah. for almost all sci-fi stories it's I've true. ever known, unless the plot calls for some sort of civil war conditions between the two factions on one world. It's true. Of course, Asimov was using the Roman Empire as his model, and any model is going to have its weak points. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. I think it's more of a resource thing of like, we don't want to it's resource and it's also not wanting to confuse the audience, right? Because yeah, I right. have to keep, you know, in Game of Thrones, you have two continents. So you have you have these, you know, Westeros and Essos, you have different cultures within them, but there's not that many to keep track of, right? Now I've got 20 planets that are inhabited that I know of, that I've been to in the Star Wars universe. And and millions more. Right. There's, there's a ton of these planets. Kind of hard for me to, as a writer convince you that these these cultures are fully formed and will you really get everything that you want out of the culture if i'm there Mm. for 10 minutes right i don't know i think i think you're right marilyn in a factual way and i'm also willing to give the writers a little bit of leeway on that as long as as long as the different planets feel different and as long as the different planets feel like they have varied cultures and it's not all the same thing i'm okay with it i mean doesn't naboo have two different cultures well, but that's anyway. what Marilyn's saying. It's a it's a uh, manufactured yeah, it's it's war, just, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's simplistic. It's simplified. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Misa simplistic. Yep. Oh, um, don't do it. <laughs> Lisa, sorry. Uh, regarding Hera and her son, 
I originally thought, as you do, how can one possibly take their kid into such danger all the time? But then it occurred to me, would you trust a babysitter uh, in a post-Empire world? (laughs) Do you leave your son out there as a possible hostage or do you keep him with you? What if you have to go dark suddenly, flee to the other side of the galaxy, leaving your only child as a possible hostage? If you're killed but he survives, how do you know he'll be cared for? I can certainly understand why she wants him to be with her, and after all, he's not that much younger than Ezra when he first came on board, and he's certainly uh, older than Omega in Bad Batch. I was exactly thinking Omega in the Bad Batch. That's exactly what that. Yeah, but Omega doesn't have a choice, right? (laughs) Like, Mm, Omega kind of needs to be with them. Well, and then they want to settle down, right? Oh, I don't want to spoil it too much. Anyway, there's a, yeah, I mean, that's a a inherent tension in the Bad Batch Mm storyline is, do we settle down and put some roots and have a kid with a normal thing? Or do we raise a, somebody who's like Ahsoka, who's a war do we criminal become by the, the age cast of, of Full House? I would watch, <laughs> I would watch a spinoff where it's just the bad batch, but as Full House and you have like, <laughs> yeah, I know Bob Saget's not with us anymore, but he's, he's oh, going to play no. Hunter, right? Oh right? God, please don't. John Stamos is Wrecker. <laughs> oh God, oh God, no. All right. All right. I'm done being silly. Um, Senator Organa would be a good babysitter, I think, since we know that from this episode, she's involved with Hera. Who's going to play the Lori Laughlin character? Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. She's Is she in jail right now? I don't know. Yeah, I, know I don't was, know. There was something House going arrest. on with that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right. The world between worlds concept reminds me very much of the wood beyond the world's. It was William Morris who first came up with the concept, but I think it was made more well-known by C.S. Lewis's book, The Magician's Nephew, in which two children are walking along the attic level of a row house, which connects one house to the next, and through other circumstances, wind up in the wood between the worlds, which is a very sleepy wood, which has a number of small ponds, each of which is a portal into a completely different world. A bit more of the fantasy sci-fi crossover that many fans might want, but I was delighted with it. It fits with the whole Night Sister vibe, if nothing else. All the best, Marilyn. Yeah, the world nice. between worlds. This is not the first time we've seen it in Star Wars, even because we, if you, I, th- I think you did watch the, uh, listen to these episodes and watch the the corresponding uh, Rebels episodes, Marilyn. But we did have the world between worlds in Rebels towards the end. That was the last arc of Rebels. You had Ezra in the world between worlds, saving Ahsoka, almost saving Kanan, deciding not to, and then getting the opportunity to save his parents one last time. Yeah, I like this um, idea, though, of the this wood with these ponds, and I and I love the stew soup that we're we're swimming in here. I think it's a very cool oh, it's uh, callback. It's super soupy. It's soupy. Uh, and it's C.S. Lewis, right? It's a, a contemporary of Tolkien, so. Mm-hmm. A friend of Tolkien, a friend of me, yes, I think I would did. say. Yes, friend but, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> listen to our Second Age podcast if you want to didn't, hear more about um, that. Uh, didn't uh, Elisa do a podcast or was it? No, Marilyn did a podcast with somebody when they talked uh, with um, with yeah, That's with, What I'm Tolkien with About. Mary Clay. With Mary Clay. Mm-hmm. And they talked about the relationship between C.S. Lewis and uh, and Tolkien. That was an interesting cool. That was a good one. It was. It was. All right. Well, thank you, Marilyn. I uh, always appreciate hearing from you. I know Marilyn's going to be on our foundation season wrap, so that'll be very exciting. Yeah, and uh, about yeah. to put that to bed um, pretty soon here. Well, this, yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah, a we've, days. we've seen the last episode of Foundation. We can't talk about it because no. this is going to air before the episode. But the podcast is recorded, ready to podcast drop. Podcast is recorded. 
So stay tuned. <laughs> uh, stay tuned indeed. Well, that's, I think that's it, John, anything else that, uh, we need to talk about or should we thank our Patreon supporters and talk about our schedule? I'm going to first thank the, the CGI artists because they did a much better job with, uh, Hayden's face in this episode. It was much more natural, wasn't it? It mm-hmm. looked proper. It looked normal. Yeah, it did. It did. I, 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 I think it, it was just that first episode. Maybe it was just jarring because it was in the world between worlds mm-hmm. and it was just all CGI. Right. But yeah, I looked a lot better this episode. Anyway, that was my last comment on the episode. Yeah. Let's do the thank yous and the programming notes. Yeah. So programming notes, as we said, we're just wrapping up uh, Foundation. Uh, we've got this and Wheel of Time going. Both of those end at the beginning, that first week of October. We will be doing season wraps for both Ahsoka and Wheel of Time, as well as Foundation. Found, I never uh, heard of that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> for Foundation, yeah, not only Marilyn is going to join us, but Anthony Ladon as well is going to be on with Marilyn. And that's going to be fun where we're going to record that feedback. I think we're scheduled for the 20th. So get your feedback in before the 20th for Foundation season wrap. After that, I, I don't know. We're just trying to ride through the, the rest of the month, I think, because uh, it's pretty busy. We've got a second breakfast episode that we're going to do. John, are you? did you guys get a Lorehounds play in? I know Skyrim was going to be talked about. We didn't record it because I was sick with the day we were supposed to record. This is okay. the, the episode that is never getting done, but we are <laughs> going to record it. I think we've agreed. Let's just get through September. We'll record yeah. it very top right. of October and then put it out. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm going to be, schedules. I'm going to have a lot more free time in October from personal circumstances. So uh, I good, will good be circumstances. able to. Not, yeah, good circumstances. Yes, yeah. Good Don't circumstances. worry. We're all but I'm going to have a little bit more time in October. And, and plus we have foundation ending. So uh, we'll be able to do a little bit more in October. I will get that recorded with Brandon and we'll have some good Fusroda-ing for Skyrim. Perfect. Uh, over on Properly Howard Movie Review, uh, Anthony and Steve, our uh, theologian in stand-up comic, um, they have been doing a season of movie remakes and breaking down various movies. We were supposed to have the Wolfman, no, the Wicker Man this week, but I think their schedules uh, got a little busy, so they pulled one out of the can and they have a review of Ex Machina, uh, the movie. Uh, but otherwise, uh, go back on their feed. You can the the Wolfman conversation was really interesting. They break down a whole bunch of tropes and talk about the ins and outs of horror films. Before that, they did RoboCop, Dune Part One, and White Men Can't Jump. Coming up, we've still got The Wicker Man, The Departed, Cape Fear, The Thing, Sorcerer, and this whole uh, season of movie reviews are all on remakes and. Again, you don't have to have seen the movies or even like the movies to listen to these because they talk about pop culture nonsense. They have a lot of fun and they talk around uh, a lot of things. So it's it's a good value. I, I really enjoy listening to them to start my week off. It's, it's, it's a great time. Funny. Great yeah. time. Alicia over on Wool Shift Dust is recalibrating because they decided to move the Dune movie to next year. And she had a whole Dune 360 lined up talking, you know, to get us, you know, right up to the doorstep of the movie coming out, talking about documentaries and video games based on Dune and and the history of the book and all that kind of stuff. So I know she has some more stuff. Uh, We were chatting with her today uh, offline. She's got things in the works. And uh, so stay tuned to Wool Shift Dust because there's going to be some more stuff coming out. 
and she's got stuff even planned into the next year. So cool. All right. Yes. I think it's uh, time to thank our Patreon supporters. Like we said, we just got to 100. So we're very yes. excited to be in the triple digits, especially Amazing. within a year of launching the Patreon, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's within a, the a year. great time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's, it's good timing. So thank and you very much, everyone. Support. It's people staying mm-hmm. subscribed. And that, that really means a lot to us. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike Ahsoka, you're not abandoning us. So <laughs> thank you very much for that. Uh, speaking of our lore masters, we've got our 30 lore masters that are our tried and true top supporters on the $10 tier. They are Samartian Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G. Michelle oh, can I interrupt H. you slightly? And special thanks to Cyrus for making a very cool graphic for us on the discord. Our oh yeah. Cereal bowl. Yeah, oh yeah. It's very dope. Yeah. Love it. Anyway, I'm restarting. Everyone deserves their moment in the sun. Okay. <laughs> Samartian. Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter O H, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Dead Eye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, Alex V, and Aaron T. You know what I really like, David? is that we hear so much from these people that they are our mm-hmm. feedbackers, right? I, mm-hmm. I like that we have this conversation going. So keep it coming. Love interacting or interacting with you all, all our patrons and our community at large. David. Sure. It's time to leave the world between worlds and become <laughs> reborn so that we can go watch <laughs> The Wheel of Time and record that. Yes, we're going to go immediately to watching that. Boy, I, I am ready for the triple blessings to be uh, mm-hmm. to be done. But mm-hmm. it's been a it's been a great content. I mean, it's been a load of great content. So yeah, I mean, we're blessed. complaining about having too much good content, right? Exactly <laughs> right. When we're probably not going to have a lot of great content going into next year. So yeah, but yeah. that's a topic for our second breakfast when our let's, Patreon exclusive. Let's podcast. end on a good note. May the force be with you, David, and also with you. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. And connect with us on Twitter at The Lorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.